Hello and welcome to another episode of the Duct Tape Marketing Podcast. This is John Jantz and my guest today is Bedros Kulian. He is the founder and CEO of FitBody Bootcamp. He's also the fitness industry consultant for marketing, business systems, and development. So, Bedros, thanks for joining me. Thank you for having me, John. It's a pleasure. So, um, people may not be familiar with your backstory. Certainly, I'm sure many, many people are familiar now with Fit Body Bootcamp. But uh, can I hear a little bit about what, what was kind of your journey to uh, to getting into business? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Well, uh, to to sum it up, I might. Many people have called me the immigrant edge, and uh, so last year I had to look up that phrase, the immigrant edge. Yeah, and uh, I am proud to say that. Uh, I believe my face belongs in the dictionary next to Immigrant Edge. My father uh, decided in 1980 that we would escape communism uh, from Armenia, at the time, of course, governed by Russia. Uh, my dad was a member of the Communist Party in 1980. I was six years old, uh, so he uh, up and escaped, and we all went to Italy on a quote-unquote vacation from Italy. We uh, hightailed it right to the American Consul. And, of course, declared ourselves as political refugees and uh, legally entered the United States June of 1980. And it was my dad's just greatest dream to uh, come to a country where you have freedom, opportunity, and abundance without having the government watching over you and limiting your opportunities. And so he instilled that within uh, in me and my brothers and my brother and sister. And so you know, it was kind of like sky's the limit. He brainwashed me and said, kid, you know, we brought you here to the United States. You're the youngest one of the family. Uh, you can do it. Uh, of course, it wasn't It wasn't uh, rainbows and, uh, and fairy tales in the beginning. The first three years were spent uh, going from, you know, literally went to three elementary schools, two junior highs, two high schools. Uh, we moved to uh, at least 17 different apartments in the first three years. Uh, and we ate out of dumpsters. Um, I remember one time having, uh, apparently I got lice from, from, from some other some other kid in school. Um, at this point, I was seven, eight years old. And uh, my mom washed my hair with gasoline that my dad siphoned out of the, out of the car. So, you know, this whole ability to take, take lemons and make lemonade and, uh, and create something of yourself, is, is something what I've been able to do thanks to my dad who brought us here and really instilled in me that no matter what happens here in the United States, you have more opportunities than you would have anywhere. And so you fast forward, you know, another decade or so, and I realized that fitness was my passion because I was a fat, overweight kid in high school and pretty much invisible to all girls. And uh, all I wanted to do was just get noticed so I can go to prom the, the senior year. So I started to work out early on in senior year and before long I fell in love with working out and how it transformed my body and, and how I became more outgoing and more of a people person and while I never made it to prom John I, I, I did become a new better version of myself and wanted to do this uh, full time and that's kind of how I decided fitness was my path so um, Fitbody's what five years old? Um, you you yeah. you started it really as probably like a lot of people. Hey, I want to do my own thing. Did you would would you ever claim looking back now that you had the vision that it would be multi hundreds of uh, of units going and five years in? No, no, never. And quite frankly, it wasn't until two thousand and three that I started coaching and consulting other fitness trainers, and that's simply because I, I took my. You know, 
I, I was working in the trenches as a personal trainer, had multiple side jobs as a fry cook and, and a bouncer. And until a client took mercy on me and said, hey, I'm going to teach you business. I'm going to read this read this book, listen to this cassette tape. And it was like Grind Tracy and, and Tony Robbins. And before you know it, I understood sales and marketing and persuasion. And before long, I had five personal training gyms and ultimately sold them and decided that I would start coaching and consulting other personal trainers in 2003. So between 2003 and 2010, when I launched Fit Body Bootcamp, all I did was coach and consult other trainers on their own private personal training gyms and studios um, and help them get more clients and, of course, make more money. At, in 2010, I realized that there's this outdoor boot camp that all trainers are doing, but they're kind of operating it like a job and not so much as a business. And I knew it had business potential. And I said, well, why don't we test this out? And so we went and opened up seven locations within six months inside of a, you know, inside of four walls instead of operating in a park where, you know, you have to fight the weather and the city and, and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. And uh, before long, man, this, this model of instead of one-on-one personal training, one trainer versus many clients really took off. It made the cost of personal training more affordable for people in the community. Uh, personal trainers got to make more money. And uh, quickly, I decided I'm going to make this a brand. And in 2010, we launched Fit Body Boot Camp. And here we are five years later uh, with 400-plus locations. We're on three continents and in seven countries now. So a lot of, uh, a lot of business owners struggle with, with all the elements of, of owning and starting and growing a business. Some never really succeed. What, what would you say has been the hardest thing for you in terms of, of business success? What's been the thing that you know, maybe has held you back from time to time? You know, I got to tell you, the thing that's held me back from time to time, and probably the only thing that's ever held me back, is my constant struggle with who I was versus who I want to be. Hmm. Um, I, I battle with it less these days, and I'm, I'm a pretty transparent dude, so I'll, I'll be very frank with you, but I always have struggled with, I'm that broke foreign kid that came to the United States. I always heard my mom and dad talking about how we run out of money before we run out of money. And we always get evicted and we never have enough money and money's never something that this family is allowed to have for some reason. And so I, I constantly would struggle with this broke mentality and then this need to succeed to show my dad that dad pops, we did it. You know, we did it. Your 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 struggles weren't in vain. And so um, today, of course, my mindset is completely different. I feel I'm, I'm limitless. I feel I'm surrounded by the most awesome supporters and, and, and staff around me. But I got to tell you, constantly, and I believe this happens for more, most people, whether they come from a foreign country or not, it's the limiting beliefs that we impose on ourselves that I can't do it, that there's a man on the white horse that's, that needs to come in and save the day, that that someone else has the answer and I don't. And, and I don't believe that to be true. You have the answer. We just kind of need to pull it out of us. Yeah, that can, uh, for a lot of people, that can be more real than prison bars, right? Yeah, that's for sure. Yeah, so um, you're in an industry that is extremely competitive. I mean, there are people giving the stuff away, it seems like, at, at times, or at least promoting that they are. And you've got these me- me- mega, mega places, you know, cropping up national brands and things. What have you done to cut through the clutter in a in a marketing standpoint? Is there anything? Is it is it just a better product? Is it a better experience? What do you think has been the secret to your marketing success? Yeah, that's a really good question, and I get that question often simply because you're right. We are in one of the most competitive niche markets on the planet. I mean, we're competing against big box gyms. <coughs> Excuse me, 
we're competing against other smaller gyms, you know, kind of boutique gyms. And what's made us so different and what's put us on, what put Fit Body Bootcamp on this pace where we're now opening up one location every single day, one every 24 hours, is that we do one thing and we do it better than anybody else. We do 30 minutes, fat loss boot camps, and we don't do anything else. We don't do strength training. We don't do small group training. We don't do one-on-one training. We don't train, uh, you know, the young athletes. We don't train anybody who wants to go into sports performance. We strictly do fat loss boot camps, 30 minutes long, and we do it better than anybody else. And I think because we've got our message so perfectly dialed in, and then, of course, we back that message up with an overabundance of social proof. I mean, we pump out more before and after pictures and transformation pictures and client case studies than anybody else on the planet that's doing trying to do what we do. And that pretty much solidifies our message where if you want fat loss, you go to Fit Body Boot Camp. If, if you want performance, you, you're welcome to go to CrossFit or, or any other gym. But fat loss, Fit Body Boot Camp is where you need to go. You know, that idea of simplicity and, and coming down you know, coming down and doing one thing better than anyone else is really tough for a lot of people. I'm sure you get pressure, uh, certainly in the beginning, and maybe not so much anymore, but I'm sure you've got a lot of pressure to, oh, look, add Taekwondo or add this you know, to the gym because people are asking for it. And sometimes it's hard to say no. Yeah, you know, you're absolutely right. You know, and I call that the idea theory. And listen, we're, no, uh, we're, not, we're not kind of immune to the idea theory when it kind of makes its way into our headquarters and says, hey, what if you added showers? And mm-hmm. Well, what if you added a kid's, kid's program in the mornings? And what if you added yoga in the afternoon? But what we realize is then we become everything to everybody, which means we're nothing to nobody. Yeah. And so it really has become our motto where, hey, we are the organization that does one thing and we do better than anybody else. And, you know, when the idea of Fairy Dust sticks her little head in the, uh, in the mix, we mm-hmm. just politely ask her to, to, to scoot away. So you mentioned a couple of names like Tony Robbins and Brian Tracy. Um, where do you get your inspiration? Uh, because I, you, you know, you you went from that idea of getting out of your own head to where you know you could have five and ten and fifteen, but you know, opening one a day now. I mean, that's a whole nother level altogether. So you know, where do you continue to draw inspiration? You know, I get inspired when I hear stories of like what Starbucks is doing. I mean, when you look at Howard Schultz and how he's grown Starbucks. They're now opening up two locations every single day, and they go into communities, and they take buildings that were otherwise old and under, you know, just disaster, and they revitalize these buildings, and they bring a new economy to the community. And so when I look at that, and when, of course, I look at people who have dealt with adversity their whole lives, I mean, I love the Rocky story. Who doesn't? Mm-hmm. But um, I, I kind of, I guess, resonate with that, again, being a foreign kid who didn't speak English, who, who got laughed at, who who went to so many different schools that I had to get good at making friends quickly because I didn't know how, how soon we were going to leave again and go to a new town. Um, so I kind of thrive on off adversity. And as much as I wish I could say, you know, I'm one of those guys where I've got this vision of 5,000 locations worldwide by this date. Well, we do. We have 3,000 locations by 2020. That's our vision. But I'm more of the guy that thrives on the fact that I've had so many people in my life tell me that you can't do it and the way you're doing it is wrong. I almost have a chip on my shoulder to want to prove them wrong, and that's really where I draw my my inspiration from. A lot of business owners struggle with this idea. You know, they, they have a great idea. They, they can sell some of it. It starts to take off. But their their biggest constraint is they can't let go um, of, you know, the the 
day to day, you know, the thing that that the company does. I mean, obviously, to to grow something to the size that you have, you've had to let go of a lot of things and and count on other people. Um, how do you you know how do you attribute that element? You know, how, again, maybe that wasn't an issue for you, but uh, how has that element played out in your growth of your business? Yeah, well, that's another great question, and and quite frankly, I think most entrepreneurs are control freaks, and we know that we can do it better than anybody else, right? However, we can't do it all, especially when you've got 400 locations and quickly approaching 1,000 locations. And so I remember about three, maybe four years ago now, reading Good to Great by Jim Collins, an amazing book. And one, one of the big takeaways I got from that book was, as the founder, as the CEO, you are the bus driver, and your business is the bus. And that's how I still look at myself. I am the bus driver, and my and my business is my bus. Uh, who I bring on board on that bus and what seats I put them in on that bus will make all the difference between success, failure, bleeding, or profiting. And, and I just constantly go back to that because I know I can't do the selling anymore like I used to. So we've got a sales team. Those sales guys, you know, we get so many leads now we can't qualify our leads fast enough. And so we have now people who do full-time qualify the leads, get them primed in position to move them along to our sales team. And so it really becomes all I have to do is keep the bus on the road and, and keep inviting the right people on, bu- on the bus, putting them in the right seats. And then like any business from time to time, we certainly bring on the wrong people and like, we got to pull that bus over quickly and uh, you know, not take it personally when, when we have to kick them out, but off they go. What about the, uh, the the numbers, the metrics? Um, are, are there a handful of things that you track? Do you watch all kinds of, of numbers to, to study the health of your business, or have you been able to hone in on just a few things that matter the most? There's really a couple of numbers that I really look at, which is our cost for lead acquisition, and, and our main driver of leads right now is social media, the Internet. Um, quite frankly, I have yet to advertise in Inc. Magazine, Entrepreneur Magazine, or any of those traditional magazines that most franchises advertise in. Um, you know, we'll spend over $100,000 a month on Facebook these days, and we drive, I mean, some quality, quality leads, and can be very picky about who we let on board. But we look at cost per lead is, is one thing that we look at, and of course, we look at our retention rate, because when I say retention rate, meaning within the first 90 days that our owners get their doors open, check. I mean, that's a big metric we need and within the first 90 days. And then within the next 90 days after that, are they breaking even? Check. And if we can get those two other metrics happening, mm-hmm. then we know that owner is three times more likely to open up a second, third, and a fourth location if by month number six of coming on board, they are breaking even. So they need to open their doors by day 90 and be breaking even by um, six months. And we know that they're going to be super successful. And of course, they end up leading to more locations by way of either referring their clients to us or them opening up multiple locations. So those are really the big three metrics. You, uh, are you still doing any consulting yourself in the industry? I am. I'm, I'm doing at a very higher level now. Um, I am doing some consulting where I get to be a little more pickier and choosier with who I'm working with. So there are, you know, you're not the first person who had that experience and turned it into a consulting, you know, a successful business owner, turned it into a successful um, consulting practice, teaching others in the industry to do it. Is that something that you think um, is a really good business model, regardless of industry? 
You know, I think it is. Now, I, I came around the other way. Yeah. I, of course, <laughs> had five personal training gyms, and so I started consulting first and then opened up my franchise and then, of course, went to a way higher level of consulting. But I think that is a good practice because if I can influence a new generation of franchise boards um, to do business a newer way, for example, you know, we charge under $20,000 as our buy-in fee. Mm-hmm. We take a flat um, we don't take a percentage of their monthly gross as royalties. We take a flat fee. And, you know, we've been called the anti-franchise franchise for that reason. And, in fact, the actual attorney who franchised us said, you guys will fail within your first 12 months if you operate this way. And I said, don't you worry about it. Um, and we proved them wrong. And we have yet to take any money from private equity or anything like that. We're self-funded uh, simply because we're doing business differently. So if I can influence other startups to work this new way by taking advantage of social media and social marketing uh, versus the old traditional way of marketing, well, by all means, I'm all for it. So this is a really uh, cliche question, but every now and then I get some great answers, so I keep asking it. What's the best business advice you ever got? Oh, man. Oh, man. Uh, That is a cliche question. (laughs) You know, and and, and I guess the best, I don't know if this is business advice or so so much mental advice, mental toughness, but it's... uh, Circumstance does not change responsibility. And I know that I've got a responsibility to my family. I know I've got a responsibility to my staff, which is now almost 40 people. I've got a responsibility to the industry that I serve. And so no matter my circumstance, it doesn't matter if I get a speeding ticket or if my house catches fire or if there's a burglary somewhere uh, that impacts my business, you know, I have a responsibility to sell one location a day because I contribute to, to the economy, I contribute to the industry, and we're doing something more than just selling a widget. We are fighting disease, yeah. diabetes, we're fighting obesity. And so really for me is you just have to lock on. The best business advice I got is lock on and no circumstance should take you away from that responsibility of locking on to that one thing. Well, that's why I keep asking that question because I get some beautiful answers. That was words to live by. So you maybe you've already uh, um, kind of said this, uh, the answer to this, but I always like to also know, you know, what's next? Oh, man. You know, there used to be a time when I was coaching and consulting that would pump out information products and software. Right. And, right. You know, when you're, when you're consulting, you kind of have the freedom to do that stuff, even seminars and travel yeah. workshops. But... I got to tell you, no one told me that starting up a franchise that, that's governed by the Federal Trade Commission and now we're international. What's next is getting this monster to 3,000 locations. Um, quite frankly, ultimately, if down the line I can get more potential franchisors from other industries who mm-hmm. are now kind of reaching out to me and saying, hey, teach me how you did it and so on. Yeah. I'd love to get on the board of other upcoming you know, startup franchises and uh, have equity in their business, but that's not until I get my locations to uh, 3,000 locations and by you, 2020. You've still got the speeding bus going down the highway that you got to hang on to. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, I can't keep my hands off the steering wheel, man. I gotta, I, I'm white-knuckling this thing. That's right. Bedros, really great uh, spending some time with you. Um, where, where would uh, somebody, where's the easiest place to somebody who's listening to go to find out about uh, either one of the stores themselves or becoming a franchise? Yeah, that's a good question. Uh, they can just go to myfitbodybootcamp.com or just fitbodybootcamp.com. And uh, the the first one, My Fit Body Bootcamp, is our franchise uh, location site. And uh, fitbodybootcamp.com is our directory with locations worldwide. And uh, if there isn't one by you right now, there probably will be next week. Amen. <laughs> All right, Peters, thanks so much. And uh, hopefully we'll uh, run into you out there on the road. 
Thank you so much, John. This episode is brought to you by the Yap Media Podcast Network. I'm Hala Taha, CEO of the award-winning digital media empire, Yap Media, and host of Yap Young and Profiting Podcast, a number one entrepreneurship and self-improvement podcast where you can listen, learn, and profit. On Young and Profiting Podcast, I interview the brightest minds in the world, and I turn their wisdom into actionable advice that you can use in your daily life. Each week, we dive into a new topic like the art of side hustles, how to level up your influence and persuasion, and goal setting. I interview A-list guests on Young and Profiting. I've got the best guests, like the world's number one negotiation expert, Chris Voss, Shark, Damon John, serial entrepreneurs, Alex and Layla Hermosi, and even movie stars like Matthew McConaughey. There's absolutely no fluff on my podcast, and that's on purpose. Every episode is jam-packed with advice that's gonna push your life forward. I do my research, I get straight to the point, and I take things really seriously which is why I'm known as the podcast princess and how I became one of the top podcasters in the world in less than five years. Young and Profiting Podcast is for all ages. Don't let the name fool you. It's an advanced show. As long as you want to learn and level up, you will be forever young. So join Podcast Royalty and subscribe to Young and Profiting Podcast or Yap, like it's often called by my Yap fam on Apple, Spotify, CastBox, or wherever you listen to your podcasts.